0: Good morning New Hope. How's everybody doing? Okay, there's like one of you out there. Okay, good, good. We can work on that and try it again. Good morning New Hope. Morning. All right, there you go. Hey, today's a good day to be here at New Hope. Here's why. So, in the four year, uh, you've probably already seen it coming in. We have two exciting giving opportunities going on. The first one is the the giving tree. So this morning, uh, we had the, those in charge have 37 families that uh, that we, as a church, we can adopt a family through uh, local Adele Community and Crisis Intervention. And I uh, was just talking to Matt and Jackie, and we only have three left. So great job, New Hope. I mean, all those families have been snatched up. They're going to be taken care of this Christmas. And so uh, when this service is over, maybe you're one of those three that can say, okay, we can just finish it off. We can get them all taken care of uh, this Christmas. That would be fantastic. So three left. And then also, and some of you may have already gotten uh, some stuff, but the bake sale is going on for the New Hope Beginnings Preschool as a fundraiser for them. And uh, lots has been a lot of good-looking Food has been taken out and all that, uh, but they still have some left. It would be great if we can clear the entire table. And so what they're doing after the service, they don't really want to take it all home, is it's just a donation. So if you're out there and you see like that's good, that's good, that just snatch it up, make a donation to the school. It all goes back into the ministries of the school. Uh, they would love to clear that entire table off and have nothing left. So good to be in the second service. So uh, well done for you guys. I also want to mention too that in the bulletin, a couple things to highlight. First, we have our Christmas season schedule is already laid out in there so you can look at that and mark your calendar for some exciting things coming up. We'll be talking about more in the coming weeks and also in two Sundays from now we are filling up the tub uh, at the, we're doing during the first service, at the end of the first service we're going to be baptizing a young lady and so we're very excited about that but it, uh, I wanted to mention if there's anybody here that either you've never been baptized or you have questions about baptism the tub is being filled and so we're going to do it and it's going to be a great celebration and if that's you then you just simply check the, the box on the connection card. I know the offering has already been received, but there's a box in the back. When you head out the center doors, you can just drop this right in that box, and we will contact you this week and get you all the information that you need for that. So, uh, if you would grab your Bibles, we are today wrapping up our series called "Money Matters." We've been taking now, including today, four Sundays, and looking at what does the Scriptures teach about finances the goal here is that for you and I that we would align our financial house with what scripture teaches not not our ideas or somebody else's ideas we're going back to god's word that has so much to say about finances we're going to say okay in light of what the bible says and then these are my habits or this is kind of how we do things financially is there any place where there's discrepancy and the hope is that we can make some changes, that we can make some, uh, some tweaks if necessary, that, that we'd have encouragement that in this area of our lives that we're surrendered to the Lord. That would be the goal for this series. Today we wrap things up. By way of review, we've been talking about the structure of a house. And the first week we took on an important question that really, I think, set the tone for everything else we've been talking about. The question was, if some of you may remember, is do we worship money or do we worship God with our money? Because this sets the heart issue. This this lays that out. Do I worship my money or do I worship God with what he's provided for me? And upon that foundation then, we've been laying a structure of a house. We talked about our foundation first. And here, if you have your bulletin on the back page here, you can start filling in some blanks. Here was our first foundational idea. The idea is that God is the owner and that you and I are managers. God is the owner, meaning that everything that you have, that you live in, that you drive, that you spend, that you possess, that it, it's, it's for you, you have it, but it's not you in terms of you're the owner. God owns it all, and he graciously gives it to us to use, to share, and to steward well. By way of an illustration, I want to uh, kind of lay it out this way to try to highlight what this looks like and means. Um, I am one of the very few out there uh, San Diego Padres fan. So if you're like, that's a, that's a baseball team. There's like six of us out there in America, and I'm one of them. And so ever since I was a little guy, I've been rooting for this team. Now on your right, that's Ron, and Ron is the owner of the Padres. He owns the team. He can do whatever he wants with the team, which typically means having a really bad team. That's kind of what he does. But that's Ron, and it's his team. He can do whatever he wants with it. On your left is Andy in the snazzy little uniform. Andy is the manager of the team. It's Andy's job to take the team that Ron gives him, which again is usually a terrible team, and try to figure out how to not come in last place again. That's Andy's job. Andy doesn't create the team. Andy doesn't own the team. None of those are his decisions. He simply takes the team he's been given and he does the best he can with it. That's how that works. It's similar to you and I in our financial lives. God is the owner. Everything you have belongs to him. He graciously bestows it to you and to me. And it's our job then to take what we've received and do the most we can with it, to do the best we can with it as measured not by our neighbors, not by how other people handle their finances, but by what God's word says. That's our standard, that we come underneath that. So that's the foundation. God's the owner. You and I, we are the managers. That's how that works. Upon that, we built our first structure last week. Your next fill in the blank is this, that we would participate in generous giving. That you and I would be active, intentional, obedient, and practicing giving with our finances. This comes first. That upon the foundation that he owns, I manage. What he's asking me to do and you to do, it's a commandment, not a suggestion, is that we would obey him and joyfully participate in giving, generous giving to ministries as God leads you. And so we talked about starting somewhere. That if this is not something you currently do, start somewhere. And just begin the journey and then trust God to lead you from there. We also talked about not only starting somewhere, but start today and start with a giving plan. And last Sunday we looked at how do you build a giving plan. It answers four different questions. And so if you you didn't catch that for one reason or another, you can go back on Facebook and you can watch those messages. You can go to the church website. You can also listen as a podcast to wherever you listen to your podcast. It's all there. And so you can go back at your convenience, listen to those messages, and work on that giving plan piece. Today we're going to talk about our second floor. We have our foundation, first floor, wrapping up the series with our second floor, which is this, that we would manage the rest, meaning after we give, according to the Bible. That that's what we would do, that we would honor God by managing the rest in terms of what he uh, provides for each one of us. Now, this remember happens after the giving, and it happens under the idea that God owns it all that place then see because if we've really embraced our foundation on our first floor then already we're going to manage our finances differently than most other people what that means is you're probably going to have different priorities you're probably going to have make different decisions by how how you handle your finances and I think this is a good thing because at least in my opinion when I look around I don't know that we as Americans are killing it in the area of finances we're actually, most Americans are struggling quite a bit. In fact, a recent study that just came out not too long ago by Career Builder had these stats. They surveyed a ton of American families, and what they found was 78 percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. That's stressful. Paycheck to paycheck. Another stat, a stat found that 71 percent of Americans self-select and say that they are financially in debt. 71 percent. And out of that 71%, 56% of them said, I'm so far in debt, meaning consumer debt, spending debt. I'm so far in debt, they described it as they are in way over their heads. That's where a lot of people are at. Maybe a lot of us are at. And that becomes stressful, doesn't it? That becomes a real challenge. In fact, for most American families, in light of stats like this, most American families are two paychecks away from being financially ruined. Two paychecks. And so you talk about worry, and you talk about stress, and you talk about living life a certain way that you don't have to live that way, and God's Word has lots to say about it. That's what we're going to look at this morning, is what are some principles that you and I can apply into our lives today to help us in this area, this second area of how do I manage what God has provided for me to honor Him and how I deal with money. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at three practical ideas, and the encouragement is that you and I would apply something, that you'd find something this morning that would provide that encouragement that you can apply to your own life, even starting today, and uh, and that you would see some real uh, change. So in our Bibles, we're going to be in the book of uh, Proverbs. So if you have your Bible or youversion.com, if you use online Bible, then you can go to the book of Proverbs, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So go ahead and turn there if you would. And let's go ahead and jump in and look at our very first principle of the three. Here it is, next fill in the blank. It's this, that you and I, number one, that we would act our wage. The idea here is act your wage. This is an important financial strategy. I say, well, what does that mean, act my wage? Uh, what, What is that? What this means is that you and I would choose to live a life where we live within our means. So if you are a household that brings in thirty thousand a year, then you figure out how to live within thirty thousand dollars a year. That those are the means that you have, and so you structure life to live according to that. If you live, um, if you your income is three hundred thousand a year, likewise you do the exact same thing. And you might think, well, the person with thirty thousand has so many more challenges. Not necessarily. Studies show that the person who makes the three hundred thousand is oftentimes going over that amount anyway. The average American household today is $59,000. And so for us as Americans, that we would figure out how do we take whatever our income is and we live within the means that we have. $59,000. Most American households cost more than $59,000. So how do we do this? How do we approach this? Let's begin our first proverb here this morning. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7. Let's look at what it says. Here it is. It says, One person... Pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Let me pause there, real quick. That's a lot of American households pretending to be rich. It's all financed, it's on the credit card. They don't have it, they don't own it. It's leased. And so we look around and the appearance of wealth is there, but what are, what's really going on in their financial house? We, we can fall into this so easily. One person pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor and yet has great wealth. See, the challenge again is that we need to act our wage, our real wage, not, not the wage we wish we had, not the wage we used to have, not the wage my neighbor has, or a family member has, or not the wage I would have had if I got the promotion, if I got passed up by that person, and I don't know why that happened. No, the actual wage you have, whatever income that is, that you would learn to live in that place. But this can be really hard, can't it? Because there's so many things that tempt us. There's so many things that draw us out to spend more than what we actually have. There's so many things that we could fall into they are tempting us either to buy it, to drive it, to text on it, to subscribe to it, to lease it, it's all there. And we can also be really good at talking ourselves into doing things, can't we? We can be so good at rationalizing things. I mean, so we can say, oh my goodness, but I mean, I don't even know. These steak knives are incredible. It's only 90 easy payments. If I call now, it'll work out. There's no such thing as an easy payment. They're all hard to make, right? And so we can talk ourselves into all these different kinds of things. So how do we act our wage? What do we do? Let me offer a couple different ideas this morning. Here's the first one. The first one is, as much as possible, pay with cash. That green stuff. I know we don't have that very much anymore, right? But that stuff in your wallet that you have sometimes. Pay with cash. Because something interesting happens when you use cash as opposed to a credit card. MIT did an extensive study years ago, and what they found was that when you use cash to buy something, it actually sets off the sensors in your brain that deal with pain. That it actually hurts to spend cash. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? It's like you see that thing there and you got to pull out a $20 bill. It's like you don't want to give it up. It's like, oh, I don't know, do I really want it? Oh, okay, whatever. And you, ha- you pay for it, right? So, so it, it actually does something physiological in the brain. Now, same study found that when you're purchasing something, you're swiping with a credit card, nothing. No impact whatsoever. And so you do it all day long like this, this is great. It's, it's not even money, right, And so uh, until the bill comes. And so as much as possible, pay with cash, what that might do is help you limit what you spend. Pay with cash. Here's a second idea. Learn to say no. Learn to say no. We could do this. First service, you guys were incredible in first service here. Let's see how you guys do here. So, so you, you, you go somewhere and, um, and uh, you see uh, all your friends are there and they're all driving nice new cars you think, wow, those are fun cars. They let you even drive it around. It handles well, good gas mileage. I think I want the car. But you can't afford the car. What do you say? Good job. Okay, that was, that was good. Audience participation time. This is good. Some of you are looking sleepy. I'm not going to lie, so this is going to wake you up, hopefully. Okay, so no. Okay, so um, it's Black Friday. You're going to the shopping mall, and there's these great jeans. They're on sale. They look good on you. They're still $200. bucks. can not afford it. What do you do? All the men are saying, amen. Yeah, that's right. That's a no. No on that one. The car, maybe. Disney just came out with a new cruise. It looks fun. Snow White's going to be there. The little kids will love it. It's going to be a great time. I don't have the money. But, I mean, that's, you know, I have credit limit, right? Line of credit. The, the, they use the credit card. We can finance the trip. It's going to make memories that last a lifetime. What do you say? No, that was, I don't know. There wasn't too many believers on that one. Okay. The idea is just learning to say no. When you say no today to things you can't afford, you can say yes tomorrow to other things that you will be able to afford. We're talking about discipline, aren't we? And it's hard to do. It's hard to not spend. It's hard sometimes to say, "You know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to hold tight. I'm not going to do it not yet." Look with me another proverb, Proverbs chapter 21 verse 20. It says this. It says, "In the house of the wise There are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man, a foolish woman, devours all they have. Isn't that true? See, it's it's the wise person who stores up. It's the wise person who sets some aside. It's the foolish person who devours all they have. And in my life, I've played the fool. And after I devoured all that I had, I pulled out the credit card and devoured more. And maybe you have two. The temptation is real. The wise person stores up. It's the foolish person who devours all that they have. This is important. We need, in order to act our wage, my encouragement, pay with cash as much as you can. Learn to say no. Let's look at our second principle. That's our first one. Act your wage. Here's number two. Number two is this, that you and I would have a financial game plan. You need this. Every successful business, every successful uh, uh, church, sporting team, family, doesn't matter. The individual, you need to have a plan. A plan of how you're going to handle finances. And what we're talking about specifically here is we're talking about the budget. Now some of you are like, ew, I, that's a bad word. I don't like budgets. Budgets are restricting and budgets are hard work and, and budgets kind of like limit what I spend and that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, exactly. So budgets are all those things. They can, they can do that. And I won't have you raise your hand, but I'd be very curious to see what percentage of us actually, don't do it, but raise, you know, by raising your hand to say, yes, we are on a budget. I think we would be surprised at how few of us actually are on a budget that are directing where our finances go that we have a game plan, that we've thought it out, that we have a strategy for what we are gonna do. And having a budget, it's biblical as well. We're gonna jump from Proverbs. We're going back to Proverbs, but I'm gonna jump to the book of Luke, chapter 14. Look at this. It says this, it says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? That sounds like building a budget, doesn't it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build but wasn't able to finish. They didn't have the foresight. They didn't have the plan in place to pull that off. And a budget is our tool to help us do this. So so how do we do this? This is incredibly simple. It's hard to do, but the way it works is simple. Got some quick fill in the blanks. Here they are. Number one, step one, that you would build the budget, that you would would sit down and determine that I'm going to do this. We are going to do this. It doesn't matter if it's with pencil and paper, a whiteboard, online tool, Excel spreadsheet. You figure out what works for you, and you build the budget that you're gonna need. Now in your bulletin at the bottom, there are a handful of different uh, sources to go to, both for online budgeting, but also uh, one or two, I forget now, websites you can go to. And each of those websites, you go there, it'll launch you into all kinds of different ideas. It's just a collection of budgeting tools. And so you can use uh, something that, that works for you from those sites. And so if this is new for you, uh, you can check those out. So number one, build the budget. Number two, use the budget. That actually put into practice what you're doing, you use the budget, that you stay at it when it gets hard, that when you get distracted and the weeks mount up and you haven't looked at it, that you get back to it, you gotta stay at it, it takes discipline. So build it, use it, and then number three, often overlooked, that you would rebuild the budget. Say, so well, what does that mean? What that means is life rarely stays the same that things are always adjusting in life, and that reflects in finances. And so for you, rebuilding the budget may be the budget we built three months ago or six months ago, we need to adjust it. For Laura and I, we're often adjusting the budget uh, for different things that happen. But maybe for you, it's things like uh, uh, you get a raise at work, or you need to, you need to get a second vehicle in the car. Or, or like our house, uh, you have three teenagers that never stop eating. And so the food budget needs to be grown and adjusted because, you know, it's bigger than the mortgage or whatever. So, so that you have to adjust as time goes by. So you build it, you use it, and then you rebuild the budget. That's how that works. Now, word of encouragement. If you're here this morning and you are married, it doesn't work to have one of you build the budget for the other one. Don't do that. Because it's quite possible that right now, one of you, as we're talking about budgets, you're like really excited. You're like, this is the best sermon I've ever heard. I cannot wait to start building the budget. You're already like in the margins, starting to like put categories and lines and spreadsheet numbers. And you're going to have like poster board all over the house. And and you cannot wait. Maybe the other spouse is like, this is horrible. I know what my spouse is going to do. So one spouse cannot create a budget, carve it in stone, and hand it to the other and simply say, obey. That doesn't work. You cannot do that. So work on it together. Sit down together. Put the kids to bed early if you have to. Turn the TV off and begin together to work on building the budget. If you have a budget, rebuild your budget. Revisit it. How is it working? How is it not working? What do we need to change in order to move forward? So that's important. So act your wage. Have a financial game plan. And then finally, number three, the last one is that we would learn the art of saving. Learn the art of saving. Bottom line is this, is that wise people save. Proverbs, we're gonna go back to it. Proverbs chapter six. It says this, it says, Go to the ant you sluggard, in the Hebrew, that literally means lazy bones. That's what that means. Go to the ant, you slugger, or lazy bone. Uh, consider its ways and be wise. So the ants are an example. Verse 7. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So I don't like ants in my house. I don't really like ants, period. But they're a good example for us, aren't they? As we see here that they're self-motivated, self-driven. They work in community, and as it's highlighted there in green, they are actively storing its provisions for another time. That they're taking time to store, and this is an important way to live life financially. So I want to offer you in this area, as we begin to close this morning, I want to offer you a plan. It's not the only plan out there, but it's one that we use in our family. Um, Laura and I use it, and our kids use it, that have jobs and earn income and all that. Uh, it's, it's a plan that has served us well, and so let me just introduce it to you and explain how it works. We call it in our family the 10 plan. And the way it works is this, is that in uh, these category numbers, as I'll show you, can change. The, the amount's not Im- important. But the first number represents what a person gives. So in this plan, the first 10% would go to God. Say, God, this is your part, this is your portion, I give it to you. Now what this means is, if this was your plan, you'd have to now figure out how to live on 90% of what you make. But you're not done. Because we're seeing here the importance of saving. So the second number represents what you save. So you save 10%. So in this plan now, then, you learn to live on 80% of what you make. Now the plan is good because here's what it does. It forces you, it forces us, to live out the principle we've been talking about. It forces you to act your wage because you've got to figure out how to live on less than you make. It forces you to put giving in its place of priority. It forces you to build a budget as you figure out how am I going to live on 80% of the income? How am I going to figure out how to do that? Now, your percentages may change because for Laura and I, we've had times we've done the 20-10-70 plan. We've done the 5-5-90 plan. We've done the 10-20-70 plan. You get the idea. Our our kids currently, they have no expenses. They do the 10-80-10 plan. That's what they do. And as we talk about as a family, they get it. And so they save. It works really easily. It's a quick way to put us all on the same page. And it helps our kids. It helps us to live out the principles that we see in Scripture. Now, if you're listening to this this morning, and you're saying, well, that's cute, 10-10-80. I can't even live on 100% of what I make. Like, how in the world am I supposed to live on 80% or 90% or even 95%? I mean, that's just not possible. If that's where you're at this morning, I want to encourage you, and you're intrigued by the plan. If you're not, don't worry about it. But if you are, still use it. Here's why. Because for you, the giving, no matter if you're in debt or not, still needs to be priority. You need to honor God in this area first and most. This becomes important. This is obedience, and this is honoring God and having his blessing on your life. And so begin with there. Even if you start somewhere and it starts as 1% or 2% or 5%, start somewhere. That still needs to stay in place. And then as you do the second number of saving, what you would want to do then is you continue to save because in your budget, you're paying off debt. But after you have your emergency fund of whatever amount you decided for that to be, as you pay yourself or save that second number, add that to your debt repayment so that you pay off your debts faster. So rather than stacking up a savings account, you're getting out of debt because that's what you need to do. And so the plan is still an effective plan for you. So hopefully that's an encouragement for you. The band you guys can come on up if you would please as we begin a transition this morning. Lots of Little ideas, lots of practical tools that you can use to help you. So acting your wage, having a financial plan, learning, learning the art of saving. My encouragement again, where I started from this morning, that you'd pick something from this morning and try that one thing and begin to put that into practice. It's an important thing. Because at the end of the day, when we think about money, and we've been talking about finances now for four weeks, when you think about finances... It's not just about dollars and cents, is it? It's not just about what's in your bank account or what's in your wallet or purse. Because money is really a spiritual matter. It really is. That how you handle money, how you spend it, how you save it, how you give it, it really comes back to a spiritual issue of where your heart is at between you and God. I think that's why God spends so much time in the scriptures talking about finances. Because he knows where your treasure is, your heart will be right there with it. This is a spiritual topic. And so at the end of it all, there's ideas, there's tools and applications and things you can adjust. At the end of it all, this is about you and I coming under again the lordship of Christ and saying, this is an area, as in every area, I want to honor you. And as I apply your principles, I'm honoring you in the area of finances. And it's helping you and I also remember who God is, his character. That he's the provider, that he loves you, that he is gracious, that he withholds no good thing for you. And if you ever doubt that, if you ever sit either here on a Sunday morning or going about your week, wherever it is you're at and whatever it is you do, look no further than the cross to be reminded that God loves you. And that God will provide all that you need. He sent his son, didn't he? Think about the gospel. He sent his son. And in a few weeks, we're going to begin to celebrate the Christmas season of, of Jesus, who's stepping out of, out of heaven and putting on a human suit, becoming human, living the life we can't live and we couldn't live, and dying a death we wouldn't die, to pay the penalty for our sins. This morning what we want to do is we wrap up this sermon series and it's been about money again. We actually want to come back to the heart issue of saying thank you to God. We're going to receive communion here in just a moment. And so in just a moment I invite you, as you're ready, you can come on up and elders will be at both tables here and you're welcome to grab uh, some elements and take them back to your seat and just hang on to them. We'll partake together. But as you do so, I want to ask you to do two things. The first one is just as you're spending time with God, as you're enjoying Him, as you're talking to Him and you're worshiping Him, I want to ask you to tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you for all that he provides. The food that you eat, the home that you live in, the car that you drive, relationships, friendships, his son. Tell him thank you. And then second after that is I want you to tell him thank you for the cross. That you tell him thank you for dying for your sins on the cross. That you'd come before him and worship him in that way. And so again, this is your time with him as you are ready, as you're praying. You don't have to come right away. When you're ready, you come on up, you can grab the elements, take them back to the seat, then we'll partake together. You're welcome to come forward. The Book of First Corinthians, chapter eleven. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me let's pray Lord we thank you this morning to carve out these moments to come before you to come to the table to remember to tell you thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for your body being broken, your blood shed to pay the penalty for our sins. And Father, we thank you that that in this, you express your incredible love for each one of us. And I pray, Father, that in light of that, we would respond with all of our hearts in every area of our lives to desire to obey you and to make you our primary concern. Father, whether we're talking about finances, relationships, that all of it would be done to honor you. So, Father, we thank you for this morning, and this morning we tell you uh, thanks uh, with with a heart that is just uh, full of gratitude, Lord, for who you are and what you've done. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing one more song before we go.